uh, reading from Acts chapter 13, verses 1 to 5. Uh, Now in the church at Antioch there were prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, um, Manion, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. While they were worshipping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work I have called, which I have called them. So, after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on their hands on them and sent them on to Cyprus. The two of them, the the two of them, sent on their way by the Holy Spirit, went down to Seleucia, and sailed from there to Cyprus. Uh, when they arrived at Salamis, they proclaimed the word of God in the Jewish synagogues. John was with them as their helper. Thank you, Derek. Thanks very much. So then, the reading this week... They're all about, really, the readings this week about the early church, the early church, which was a new church, a growing church, a church really like every other church in need of discipling. And we've already heard that the elders of Thomas Risley believe that Thomas Risley, like the early church, like every other church, but particularly is going to be focusing over the next weeks and months on that need for discipling. So what did they do to disciple the early Christians? We read that they fasted. I understand tonight we have cake. Maybe we wouldn't take that, but maybe we should. Maybe actually we should fast from time to time. I know, Ron, when we've had... Where's Ron? When we've had overnight prayer. I know you've had an occasional slice of toast, but overnight prayer, sometimes that has included fasting, hasn't there? And there's a real kind of sense of focus. I focus when my stomach's empty, do you? But they fasted, they prayed, they laid hands and prayed for each other. They called and they commissioned and they sent, empowered Barnabas. They sent them off, didn't they, into that new ministry the emerging disciples. That, I suppose, really in a nutshell, is the main reference I'm going to have to that particular reading. It's a kind of a a launch point, if you like, for what I want to say about discipleship. Discipleship for us as a church is a key focus, and we're going to be looking at that, we're going to be praying about that, how that is outworked. We've not got it all neatly sewn up, have we, Brian? We've not got it all neatly sewn up. Brian led the elders and led it really skillfully. And, and I was just, we were just so blessed. We've talked about it even recently, having said how well that was done. 
on the Elders' Day and how that was inspirational. And we said, yes, we need to, to do this with the church because it's brilliant. Because it actually gave people the opportunity to input. It actually helped people to grow in their faith by the way that they actually reflected and worked through the whole question about what God is calling us to do. But what is discipleship? Should we have the first picture, Andy? That's great. Discipleship is our response to the radical love that Jesus has for us. And that really is where discipleship starts and ends. That we have that that desire really just to surrender. Our next slide. There we go. To surrender ourselves to God because of, of the way that he loves us. We want to respond by being discipled by him. We want to be respond by, by actually following him and, and walking closely with him. It says in Galatians 2.20, my old self has been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And, and when we think about baptism, when we think about Howard and Linda, and when we think about Nathan, it's, there's that symbolic going down into the water and coming back up again, and it's dying and it's arising to Christ. Are we actually surrendered to God? What amazing things could God do if we did totally surrender our lives, our hearts, and our wills to him? And I just think about my character, and I think about, I don't think about your character, because I don't know your characters really very much, do I? Because we only are the only people, we and God know exactly how we are with him. But when I think about my character, there's, there's stuff, there's, there's areas where I think, oh, no, not, not that, please, God. I really would rather not do that. And, and it's just this whole time of surrender. We need to actually, and I, and I challenge myself with this when God leads me to places where I find it difficult. And, and I guess it's the same with you, that, that we need to surrender ourselves, and not my will, but yours, as Jesus said to his father. D.L. Moody, that great revivalist, said, what could God accomplish with a man or woman who has fully surrendered his or her will to God. Discipleship, then, the next slide, Andy. Discipleship is growing in depth of relationship with Jesus. But that and receiving and growing in the fullness of the Holy Spirit are actually basically the same thing. We've started off in Acts, haven't we, where they receive the empowering Holy Spirit within to kind of transform their character and upon to kind of equip and, and, and lead them in the direction that God wants to and empower them to, to do what he calls them to do. But those two things are basically the same thing. Let me just say them again. Discipleship, growing in depth and relationship with Jesus, and receiving and growing in the infilling and outpouring the Holy Spirit are actually basically the same thing. And that starts off, as it does in the next slide, with a baptismal, baptism of the Holy Spirit. And I've gone back to dunamis, okay? Now, those of you who will know that I've bang on about dunamis from time to time, but dunamis actually says that there are three basic principles sorry, not three, six even, six basic principles for actually receiving that infilling and equipping of the Holy Spirit, which will help us to be discipled. 
Now, I don't know about you, but I always find remembering stuff very difficult. And you might remember that um, I actually try and have mnemonics to remember stuff. And Andy is a wonderful guy because it's, uh, he, what he uses, a mnemonic, the compass, is actually used in dunamis, isn't it? North, south, west and east, new life, sanctification, we, koinonia, and e-empowerment. Do that sermon another time. That was Andy's idea. But I'm, I'm kind of like that, that. I need something to help me remember the six basic principles. So I, I was playing with the letters yesterday, and I played with letters, and I thought Rotara doesn't really work. How can Rotara be a way of, of kind of being inspired and equipped by the Holy Spirit? So I actually found a word called rate. Okay, let's have the word rate. Okay, does anybody know what rate is? A rate actually is a word. I was delighted when I actually Googled and found that rate was a word. I'd like to say that I'd know that rate Cali is actually a Roman Catholic Advent Mass. There we go, but I didn't know that. Does anybody know that Rorate Cali was a, an, a Roman Catholic mass? Do you know, this week I've had a bit of a Catholic connection. Our Catholic priest in, um, in Lim is actually having his jubilee, 50 years in the ministry. Now that's got to be old, hasn't it? And, and Charlotte's mum's done this wonderful card for him. Anyway, that's my Roman Catholic connection for the week. But this was the other one, that the Rorate Catholic mass helps me with my mnemonic. Actually, I'm like this, though. I don't know about you. You know if you read and you read a dictionary, you have to uh, kind of go and find other words around it. Google hasn't helped me with that. But I started to try and find out what Rorate Catholic Mass was. And it's actually quite interesting because it's based on Isaiah 48, verse 8. And this is what they sing, basically, and I, I was going to give you a little clip, and I thought, no, that's going too far with my digression, but, but basically they sing these words. You heavens above, rain down my righteousness. Let clouds shower it down. Let the earth open wide. Let salvation spring up. Let righteousness flourish with it. And if you Google, you can hear them singing that. Well, actually, I say you can hear them singing that. They're singing it in Latin, so you wouldn't know. But basically what it's saying is it's God's blessing and abundance to come upon people, which I think is brilliant. So Rorate is God's blessing, and that's what we're actually talking about. Anyway, Rorate is repent, obey, receive, ask, thirst, and expect. But it's not in that order. That would be far too simple. But let's start off with the beginning one. The beginning one is the T of Rorate, which is thirst. The first basic principle for that infilling of the Holy Spirit to receive God's baptism of the Holy Spirit, if you like, God's baptism, God's power within and upon you, is to have a thirst. It is thirst that leads us to Jesus Christ who gives the living water of the Spirit of God. We read in John 7, verse 37 to 39, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. And it's what you were saying about that passage, isn't it? The streams flow in the Negev, you know, that we need that thirst, we need to be parched, we need to, it's like they say about being salt, because it gives you that thirst, isn't it? But also, not only it is having that desire for an intimacy with God, but also thirst arises out of a profound awareness of our own inadequacy to do the works of God in our own strength. That links in again with your passage. I'm picking on you, Jenny. Nobody will ever want to bring a passage again if I pick on them. But Jenny, you know that passage? You know it talked about tears coming and bringing joy. That those tears and 
when people are feeling down and low in many different aspects, that's because they feel that inadequacy, don't they? And, and some people from that inadequacy just get angry or go lower and lower and lower. But some people, actually, it is a point of, of lowness that God begins to, to speak and to bring that, that provision. John 15.5 says, Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit, for apart from me, you can do nothing. Basically, we're a bit useless without God. So we need that thirst so that we can actually then be in that position to know our inadequacy and be able to receive that empowerment and equipping from God. The second, so let's go into the picture of the thirst, Andy. There we go. The next one, there we go, thirst. And there's two passages there. And then the next one is to expect. That's the very end of row rate, clearly. For many of us, our God is too small and our expectations of the Christian life are so minimalistic. We've limited our God by our fears, our worldview, or perhaps our lack of knowledge of what God can do. And I believe that we need to pray that we can expect or we believe and expect that God will do stuff. We need to have an expectancy. We need to come to church believing that God will speak to us. And that comes from that gift of faith from God. And that expectancy prepares us to receive and to do the things that he has for us. It says in Ephesians 2, Ephesians 3 even, verse 20, he is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or imagine. We need to have that expectation. We need when somebody says, I have this problem, to say, let's pray for it and actually believe in, in faith that God will actually move and God will work. Because otherwise we're limiting God and we're saying, God can only do the stuff that I can imagine. Let's pray for that expectancy. The third principle is repent. Let's have the next picture. Oh, we've already got it there. Thank you, Andy. You remember from your reading or our reading as church at the early stages of Acts, after Pentecost, the people said, wow, what on earth happened there? What should we do about it? And Peter rose and he spoke to the crowd, anointed by the Holy Spirit. He said, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. That was what they were meant to do. If you repent and believe, you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. I'm not saying that the Holy Spirit doesn't on occasions come upon people who aren't repentant, but that is a pretty good principle for allowing the Holy Spirit to work in your life. And I mean, Nathan, he's moved out there, but Nathan is a good example to all of us. Those here who have not been baptized, those here who have not made that confession, those who have not repented, Maybe that's something we need to consider to make that commitment. You may have been baptized. You may have had many points of repentance. But also, repentance and confession should be an ongoing part of our Christian walk with God. Our discipling. Seeking forgiveness when needed of God or of others, and offering forgiveness as God commands us to do. Sin breaks and blocks our relationship with God 
and it breaks the flow of the Holy Spirit from heaven into our lives. Repentance is a basic criteria for spiritual growth. And that's why something like Freedom in Christ is such a wonderful resource because you can look and you think, oh no, I've done it again, God. And you go and you pray and you offer it and you just are open to him. And I know I've said that there are areas of my life that I think, God, you can't have that, but there aren't actually because I've done the Freedom in Christ. God needs to prompt me sometimes by saying, you know, actually, that bit, I want that bit and you're holding on to it. Just be aware that sometimes sin creeps in when you least expect it. We need to have a repentant heart. God is very patient, but if a person persists in not being repentant, God may and God does withdraw his spirits empowering from them. God did in the case, the biblical examples of Samson and Saul, but we may remember the psalmist David after he committed adultery with Bathsheba, knew that God's Holy Spirit was probably going to be taken away from him. And he said, and he pleaded with God, he asked, he repented, and he said, cast me not away from your presence and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. And even in those circumstances, God forgave him. We need a repentant heart as a basic principle to receive God's Holy Spirit in fullness. Rorate, there's the A in the middle there. A is for ask. It may seem a bit obvious, but to actually receive from God, we need to ask. So when we offer and we say, well, actually, you can do it two ways. You can just be in your room, it says, doesn't it? Shut the door. And I talked a few weeks ago about the secret place. Bob Sorgi talked about the secret place being in your room with the door shut. And that is basically where you and God do business. You can ask him that you will receive his Holy Spirit. But also, you can receive by asking somebody else to pray for you, like they did in the beginning of Acts. They laid hands on their anointed people. Not everybody has to do it that way, but that is available. And you know, that is something that we will offer today, at the end of the service. If anybody wants to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit upon them, we will offer that for you. Anytime, any place. Ring us. We'll be really glad to come round and pray with you. Jesus said... I tell you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. He who seeks finds and to him who knocks, it will be opened. It's true to say that if somebody is a Christian, they will have the Holy Spirit within them. Because the Holy Spirit is that part of the Godhead who actually works and weaves to actually help people to make that commitment to Christ. But the Holy Spirit upon for power, being baptised in the Holy Spirit, you actually have to ask for it. Calvin said in his Institutes, Therefore we see that to us nothing is promised to be expected from the Lord which we are not bidden to ask for in prayer. So true it is that we dig up by prayer the treasures that were pointed out by the Lord's gospel and which our faith has gazed upon. Basically he's saying you won't get any treasure unless you dig for it. So ask. 
pray. And Ephesians 5.18, it also talks about go on, go on being filled with the Spirit. It's not just a one-off. You know, it's just that freshness, that fresh anointing. At the beginning of row eight, and also in the middle, there is an R. And one of the R's is to receive. Receiving the infilling of God's Holy Spirit is not subject to our emotions or experience. It is founded in the promises of God and received in faith. Mark eleven twenty two to 24 says, Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you've received it, and it will be yours. So we need not only to ask, but also to receive. Sometimes people receive quite dramatically, or, or you know, just with some kind of sign, and I'll talk a moment about that later, but sometimes it's just no emotion whatsoever. But you will have still received. God's word will not return void. He does as he promises. The O in row rate is about obedience. This is crucial. This is the essence of our whole relationship with Jesus Christ. We are called to obedience If you love me, Jesus said, you will keep my commands and I will pray to the Father and he will give you another counsellor to be with you forever, even the spirit of truth. John 14, 15 to 17. Obedience is a surrendered will. One of the most fundamental things in receiving baptism in the Holy Spirit is the unconditional surrender of our will to God. And that can be most dramatically symbolized in falling in the Spirit. You give up your will even to stand up. You just say, God, do with me what you want to do. I'm here. I don't want any corner of my life not to be touched by you. Even my balance. Leads me on to manifestations. Sometimes when you receive baptism in the Holy Spirit, there will be manifestations. After all, the gifts in 1 Corinthians 12 are called the manifestational gifts. Because the actual Holy Spirit is moving through you and you'll notice him. This may affect your body, your emotions, your mind, your spirit... It's rather like when wind blows the leaves. Did yesterday rather, didn't it, in Warrington? On a tree, the leaves will shake a bit and the tree may sway with the wind. Or in our case, the green cover over the barbecue blew to the other side of the garden. The Holy Spirit is far more powerful than the wind. Manifestations arise because our human nature is emotional, spiritual and rational. It is simply the way we have expressing the spirit of God. One may ask why humans laugh, cry, blush, dance and sing at all. It's just the way that we're created. Manifestations are the human response to the divine person and power working and acting within us. So, if you receive God's Holy Spirit working in your life. Maybe your eyelids will flicker a little. Maybe your hands will shake. 
Maybe you'll feel a warmth of healing or intense Holy Spirit touch. Maybe joy will result in laughter or tears. Maybe your body will flop a bit, resting in the spirit. Or your knees will wobble or your feet will get heavy. But don't worry, you are safe because you are with your loving God. God's Holy Spirit is part of the Trinity. He is one with our Father and one with Jesus. You're safe with all three of them. But if you feel nothing, remember you have still received. So in conclusion, talking about radical discipleship. To be discipled by God, we do need his Holy Spirit. Because we can't do it in our own strength. We can't become nicer just by fixing a smile. We can't become loving just by sheer determination. We need to let go and let God, through his Holy Spirit, work to transform us. And if you're a bit hesitant, remember 1 Thessalonians 5.19. Don't quench the spirit. Let him work and weave in your life. Let's pray. We thank you, Lord, for your promise. We thank you for your promise of refreshment and renewal by the power of your Holy Spirit. And we come before you now, Lord. We pray that you will come and live within us. The bubbles of your Holy Spirit within just to give us that knowledge and confidence that you are real. You're not just a name in a book. That we may have that gift of faith. And help us to walk in obedience. Help us, Lord, also to receive your Holy Spirit upon us. Give us, Lord, those gifts. Help us to dig by asking for the treasures that you have to offer us. Pour out your spirit, Lord. We want more.